0: good morning this is a little bit different this morning because we're doing a a little bit different service today this week and next week we're doing a series called text questions where you guys are going to text in the questions that you want us to answer so if you don't text in any questions this is going to be the shortest service of your life so please text some of y'all we had somebody first service said amen I'm like, what are you saying? So anyway, uh, text, uh, you'll see the number on the screen. Let me introduce uh, you guys uh, to everybody's up here. Ryan Miller, this is Ryan Miller on the far end. I say hello to Ryan. Ryan. Ryan is our family pastor uh, here at One Church, and uh, his uh, expertise goes from babies pretty much all the way to students and college students, so we don't give him enough to do. Expertise is a strong word. (coughs) Expertise, all right. Uh, This is Josh Woodleaf, and uh, Josh is our worship pastor, and everybody say hello to Josh. (laughs) All right, this is my wife, Kim. Everybody say hello to Kim. And my name is Chris. So um, anyway, we're going to want to get started, and uh, we were told first service we got to get quicker, so we had like tons of questions first service. So uh, go ahead and let's see what our first question is.
1: Unfortunately, if we did, those, is what, those are what he would buy. So. Somebody's
2: really cute. Say it to my face. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, what's happening so is you're talking. I'm hurt and offended <laughs> and hurt. Just
0: hurt. All right, it's cool. So Deeply All right, hurt. Uh, Josh, since you're talking, go ahead and read this question.
2: <laughs> Once you're saved, can your salvation ever be taken away? Can your, can your sin take away the gift of salvation?
0: All right. You wanna, anybody want to answer that one? I have a mic now oh yeah but thank you last all time, time the the switch. Switch. Yeah, all right um, let me say this I want to read to you uh, from John chapter 5 and in John chapter 5 um, we uh, uh, let's see if I can find this um, I would say this um, while I'm trying to find this that nothing you did no action no deed you weren't you didn't act good enough to be able to get your salvation it was given as a gift. So, nothing that you do will make you keep or lose your salvation. So, um, I would just say in in John chapter 5, this is in uh, verse 24. Um, This is not what I... Uh, John chapter 5 verse 24 says this. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned... He has already crossed over from death to life. That's John chapter 5, verse 24. Now notice that it says anybody who believes has eternal life. You don't hope to get it. You already have it. And you've already passed over from death to life. So I would say this, and we got this question first service. There's a lot of different people who have a lot of different denominational backgrounds that believe differently than this. And that's okay if you believe differently. You guys are kind of asking us what uh, what the Bible has to say in our interpretation of it. And that's what I would say is that nothing you can do will ever separate you from Jesus' love. In fact, that's in Romans chapter 8. Um, uh, also, I think you have a, a verse you want to say about this, don't you? Sure. All right, cool.
3: Um, <coughs> hi. Kind of loud. A, yeah, yeah nice. good. Um, in First Peter, um, starting in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, um, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay and through your faith God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day. And what I love about that passage is it just talks about when we received Christ, when we received that gift of salvation from him, that we also received an inheritance. And that is being saved for us, that gift of eternal life. Nothing can steal it, nothing can decay it, nothing can harm it. Um, That it is a, a priceless treasure, pure and undefiled. And scripture also says Christ died once for all. So every time we sin, we don't have to worry about, do I need to be saved again? Christ died once for all sin, for all time. And that treasure is our inheritance and it is pure and undefiled.
0: Right. next question. Do you go to hell if you commit suicide? Who wants to take that one?
2: I got it. I don't believe so, no. Some people say that that's like a, one of the unpardonable sins, I mean, if you commit suicide, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Um, there's really only one sin that we really commit that sends us to hell. The main one is that we deny Jesus, is that we it turn our backs on him and we say, no, I don't believe you, no, I don't want to follow you. That's what sends us there. Um, so no, if you commit suicide, you're. I hope you don't, but you know, yeah. No, I'm just saying, I mean... Don't try it, you know. Um, Wow. But if. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, the answer is no. No, um, it doesn't. So Someone else, please. Please.
0: Actually, Josh uh, answered that well. Um, Suicide doesn't send you to hell. Absolutely right, Josh. We're good. All right, next question. Oh, that's a great. That's a great question. In fact, we answer this question a lot in our membership class. Um, why is it that we do not take part in the Lord's Supper here at One Church? Uh, Do any of y'all want to take this? Or? All right, cool. I- I'll make this short and sweet and hard to beat. Um, the reason why, I- I'm going to give you two reasons. Number one, um, th- let me tell you where we do take Lord's Supper. It happens in our small groups. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, uh, it says, uh, let me uh, read to you, Acts chapter 2, the very end of the chapter, um, says this, um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking bread and of prayer, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, they sold property and possessions, every day they committed, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke, and by the way, they met together in the temple courts. That was like what we're doing. Everybody was like a lot of people here. All right? And then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So um, we do, um, the reason why we do Lord's Supper in small groups is because that's where the Bible says it, you know, it's one of the places. There's really not a right or a wrong place to do the Lord's Supper. It could be in here. It could be in small groups. The reason why we don't do it here on Sunday mornings is... Um, the, while we do what we do here at One Church, um, we try uh, to make everything for the guest in mind. So when somebody shows up here at One Church, they may not believe the Bible, they may not know Jesus, and they come in, and if we do the Lord's Supper in front of them, then basically what we're telling them is like it would be like almost somebody coming into your house and you welcome them as a guest and, and then eating in front of them. It would be kind of rude. So in uh, the Bible, is very clear that the only people who should take the Lord's Supper or communion are those people who know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And to be honest with you, we have a lot of people here who show up every Sunday who don't know really anything about the Bible or Jesus. So um, we choose to do our Lord's Supper in our small groups. And this is a quick plug. If you're not in a small group, uh, we have a group link coming up on April 10th that you can get into a small group. But that's where we do communion. Y'all have any things you'd like to add to that? job all right, cool. all right
1: who wants this one we know what god has to say about sex before marriage but what about self-gratification uh, time's up see you later and <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're on <laughs> all i think i've been worse about to be like kim you your- <laughs> <laughs> oh <dear Lord. laughs> I am an idiot. Um, <laughs> I'm not touching it. I don't care what you do. Let's, uh, <laughs> I, that was a really bad play on words at the moment, but you know the, no. <laughs> <laughs> All okay, should I? Should
0: I? Next question. so you guys
3: struggle.
0: <laughs> okay. y- y'all are two for two this morning. <laughs> I don't really know where to go from there.
2: <laughs> Home. Chris, you can answer this, please.
0: Um, <laughs> make it end. I, I would say this. You know, the Bible doesn't say anything about self gratification um, or masturbation, it just doesn't say anything about that. So, um, I, you know, we can't say clear cut that it's wrong or right. Here, I would ask probably ask you a couple of questions. What do you think about when you're doing it? Are you thinking about pure and holy thoughts? Um, You know, if you're married, and we get this a lot, to be honest, we get this question a lot because of spouses who are deployed. You know, what should I do? Well, again, the question I would ask you, are you thinking about your spouse? Um, And so that would be a really big thing. If you're not, then the Bible is very, very clear in Matthew chapter 5 that it says um, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his eye, he's already committed adultery in his heart. So, um, I would just ask you, what's going on up here? Um, in fact, Craig Groeschel said it like this: um, that a lot of times when it comes to sex, it's more it's more of talking about what happens between the ears than what happens between the legs. So, what what are you thinking about in here? So, uh, that would be my question, my probably my my major question. So, um, are you thinking about your spouse, or if you're not married, what are you thinking about? So, anyway, anybody else want to talk about that?
1: I believe you did fantastic.
0: All right. <laughs> Why did God create Satan? Who, who wants to take this one?
1: Josh, you're closest with him.
0: <clears throat> Satan, that is.
2: <laughs> that's hurtful. <laughs> I'm hurt. Deeply hurt. Anyways, um, <laughs> I know there's people out there. Um, why did God create Satan? That's a, that's a fun question because that's, that's fairly deep. Um, there's a lot of thoughts on this. To be honest with you, and the best way I've heard it put, um, I answered this actually the last time we did a series like this. Um, I heard a quote that said um, we wouldn't appreciate the um, we wouldn't appreciate the light if the if there wasn't darkness. Um, you know, God God is known for giving us a choice um, between two things, um, or between multiple things, and I think um, you know we see Satan, we see evil, we see sin, and we see. Um, God, who is just the opposite of that. He's all good. He's, he's, he is love. He is greatness. I mean, you see all the things that God is, and we have a choice there. Um, we can choose a path or not, you know, choose that path. So for me, why did he create him? Um, was to give us a choice to love him back. That's That's just my opinion. Um, I don't really see it anywhere in Scripture, but it kind of plays out.
0: I think you're right on, bro. I mean, he gives us a choice. Uh, the You know, I don't believe God created Satan, he created a person by the name of Lucifer, who was an angel, and just like God gives us free will, exactly what Josh is talking about, we have a choice of good and evil, the angels also had a choice between good and evil, and this person, Lucifer, chose evil rather than good, and he became a fallen angel, so, um, you know, God doesn't create bad things, but he does allow us to choose, and Josh is right on on that, so, taters.
1: So. either but we're moving on <clears throat> who wants this one Can we just get an easy one <laughs> um <laughs> why are other religions other religions wrong and as as in why christianity the right religion uh, did i read that wrong why are other religions wrong as in the christianity um i think what that's trying to ask is why is christianity the right and why are other ones not and if i'm wrong about that then sorry um I'm not real big on talking about religions. Um, I just, just because I don't view what I'm a part of as a religion, I view what I'm a part of as a relationship. Um, and so I think what we have to come to terms with and what's really hard to process through is the fact that um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And uh, that's a really popular verse, and we love to say it, and it means a lot, and sometimes it, you know, gives us butterflies. But there's some trouble to that, too, is that, that you can't come to heaven. You can't come to the Father except through Jesus. You can't go around. You can't go another way. There's not, you know, going to be just a, oh, it's, it's all good at the end. No worries. It's a, you've got to go through Jesus to get to heaven. You have to accept that he died for you, that he paid the price, that he took on your your nastiness, your dirty, your sin, so that you could be free and so that you could be in relationship with Jesus. And so, I mean, excuse me, relationship with God and the Father. And so you could come to the Father. And so it's it's really, uh, it's kind of tricky when we start processing through it because it's, we we really don't want to think about that when it comes to our friends and our family, and what if they don't accept this? What if they don't accept that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light? What if they don't accept that Jesus is who he says he was and that God did what he says he did? Um, and so it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's it it's, makes us feel good to say it, but when you really sit back and think about it, we have to go through Jesus. That's what we believe we believe that God is the one true God and that there's not others and that there's not um, this whole uh, universal thing that's gonna that plays together and we're all going to go to the same place. We believe that we give up our life so that we can be in relationship with Jesus and with the Father and that we're going to be standing in front of him one day. So I, I hope that answers the question.
0: Uh, how do my wife and I glorify God? How do my wife and I glorify God after many miscarriages? How does this tragedy glorify him? Wow. Um, who wants to take this?
1: I'll take it. Um, this is, uh, me and we, my wife and I experienced a miscarriage uh, several years ago. And um, I think um, one of the hardest things to ever process through for me was why I lost a child. Um, and I remember thinking, I remember being angry with God and just asking just tough questions and and just struggling through uh, how does this work together? How can this be for the good and um, I remember sitting it was i was it was when I was still visiting one church I wasn't on staff yet, and I remember we were singing we were singing, and remember we were singing glory to God, uh, glory to God and and I remember I literally having to make myself just take a moment and worship because I didn't want to like i was I was angry and I was mad, and I didn't understand. And it wasn't something I wanted to do. But a lot of times we make following God about feelings and and about how we feel at the moment, but it's a choice to be in relationship with Jesus. It's a choice to be in relationship with God. And there's those times when it's so hard and you just can't understand it, that you have to really decide, okay, in this moment, God, I know you are who you say you are. This wasn't just an event where I felt good and I chose to follow you. We're in relationship. I know you are who you say you are. And so in this moment, even when it hurts, even when I don't want to, I'm going to choose to worship you. Even in these times when I don't think I can and I don't want to do anymore, I'm going to choose you. And when I get knocked down, when, when life circumstances come, when something as tragic as this comes and it knocks me down, I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to choose you. And I think that, you know, you just can't because you, you don't know what God's going to do and you don't know what's going to come through that. And we lost, a, we, you know, we lost that baby, and we lost it several years ago on my birthday. It was when we found out. And then we just had another child, and two years later, two years apart from that, on my birthday, I went home with my new baby girl. And, you know, God just does things that, you know, you just don't know how it's going to come back around, and you don't know how it's going to come back full to play, but you just have to trust that God is who he says he is. He's going to take care of you. He's going to love you, and that he's going to bring things full circle. Coming home with my new baby didn't make losing that, that other one any easier. But it sure showed me how God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace. And he gives far beyond what we deserve.
3: Chris and I also um, have been through this experience. And from a, a lady's point of view, um, you know, I think there's a lot of emotion and questions that come with that. Um, just from the physical aspect of why didn't my body do what it was supposed to do and um, you know especially if you have had other children before um, there's just that question of you know why didn't this happen um, there's that excitement there there's that um, that thankfulness there and you know for me um, I think the Lord just kinda took me on a journey of I want you to know me in a new way through this. I have proven myself faithful to you in many other ways. I've given you many other blessings. And just because this one blessing is not one that you won't won't receive this at this time, don't think that I don't love you. Don't think that I've forgotten you. Don't think that I I don't have anything left for you. And um, I was reading a book that just talked about so many times people will say that a child has been lost and this book said the the author of the book said my child isn't lost i know exactly where my child is and my child is in heaven and that just brought me so much comfort at that time because i thought you know that is the character of god there is nothing that is beyond him and there's not one experience that comes into our lives that he doesn't know about beforehand and so it wasn't like this was a surprise to him it wasn't something that we necessarily Of course, we didn't anticipate that. That wasn't a road that we were expecting to walk. But God showed himself faithful to us. We went on to have two more children. And, um, you know, just as Ryan said, um, you know, he restores. And his love and his compassion are great for us. And if he is wanting to take us on that journey to know and understand him more in that way, I learned that. And I think Chris learned that. You guys probably learned that. And so in the end, I know him in a way that I did not know him before.
0: Uh, Would God save a bad Christian and not a disciplined and well-valued atheist? So why would God save a bad Christian and not a disciplined and well-valued atheist? Oh, I get it. Okay. Anybody want to hit this one? All right. Um, Well, I would say this. um, (laughs) There's... The thing I don't like about this question is it's assuming that some people are bad and some people are good. The Bible very clearly teaches that everybody's bad. Everybody is sinful. In fact, Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Uh, Romans 6.23 says for the wages or the results of sin is death. Now, if that's where that verse stopped, it would be kind of a bummer. But it doesn't stop there. There's a comma. For the results of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, to answer this question, you know, why does God save a bad Christian and good, well-intentioned atheist? It's not about whether somebody acts good or acts bad. It's not about what you do, but it's about what Jesus has done. So... Uh, how we get to heaven, how we become a, a, have a relationship with him isn't about acting the part or acting right, but it's about what Jesus has done for you and accepting Jesus' gift. Remember that? For the results of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, All right, next question. <laughs> Who wants this one?
1: I'll do it. Does one church <coughs> always follow series? Where do the ideas of the series come from? Um, pretty much, yes. I would say ninety-eight percent of the time we're in a series of some sort, and if not, then we make one, we make it into one. Um, and uh, <laughs> that sounded worse than I meant. Like if we did a one-week series, we tag it. You know, we try to make it a part. It. Anyway, I'm just going to stop talking. And where do the ideas for the sermons come from? They come from everywhere. Uh, we're all idea hogs, and so. What I mean by that is, you know, when, when we see an idea from somewhere else, we snag it, we remember it. Um, <clears throat> when we, we, we meet quarterly and sit down and talk about uh, how we, can we play these out, how can we make these happen. And then once a year we go on a sermon calendaring retreat. And that's pretty much all we do is just sit and uh, argue and fight and laugh and talk about what we need to talk about this year and pray. And uh, it's a, <clears throat> honestly, I can say this for sure. I've done it two years now. And uh, during the year, I, we travel several times, some together, some at different times, and, you know, working or uh, just getting to be a part of something. And we get, you know, it's tiring, but nothing exhausts us more or exhausts me more than when we go and do that just because we fight uh, for you guys. I mean, we're, we're all advocating and, and trying to figure out what's the direction we need to go this year because the, the health and the growth of one church is something we just take really, really seriously. So um, I think I answered that. You want to add anything?
0: I mean, I, you mean exactly, it's done in community. Uh, not one person does it. Uh, all three of us. Um, we'll sit down, actually four of us. And uh, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll ask small group leaders, hey, what are you? what is your group struggling with? And then uh, if they're struggling with a certain thing, sometimes we will respond that way and we'll say, hey, why don't we put something on the calendar for next year? So it's a great question, very good question. So. Is it important to study a certain version of the Bible? No next question no uh, 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 is there a certain version that could not be the true word of God um, that's a, actually a really good question um, you know nowhere in the Bible does it say thou shalt read the King James all right so I don't think there's one um, one version better than the other. Uh, there are a lot of different versions out there and the thing I would ask two things number one, which one do you connect with better because there's sometimes again. You know, I, when I read like a, the King James or another version, um, I, I just I don't understand it that well. So I guess you need to find one that you can understand. We primarily do the, living, the New Living Translation here, and you can pick up free Bibles from that. But I study the New American Standard Version. There's the NIV. Uh, if you have the U version on your phone, you can see all kinds of great versions on there. So, I mean, I would just pick one of those. And the biggest thing is, not, is just reading it. Read it, read it, read it. That's a huge, sum. So, anyway. Anybody okay. else? Right, next, next question.
3: Why should we pray for things to happen if God's will is going to be done anyway? Good question, good question. I think a lot of yeah, times as believers, watching. we can spend a lot of time saying, I just want to know what God's will is. I just want to know what God wants me to do. How am I supposed to discern if I'm supposed to do this or this or if this is the right way? And um, I shared this verse in the first service, but I just think it's, it really applies well here as well. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now part of this verse is talking about when we come into relationship with Christ that basically um, he's kind of knocking on the door of our heart and he's saying will you begin a relationship with me um, and that he wants to, to enter into our lives and, and have us grow in him and have, us have our lives reflect him But the first part of that verse where it talks about if you have questions, keep on asking. If there are things that you're looking for, keep on seeking. And I think part of the process in discerning what God's will is in a certain thing is that he wants us to be in front of him and in his word and in prayer with him, seeking out what is his heart. Now, does that mean that he's going to send down a little paper airplane with a message on it that says, yes, go to Dairy Queen? No. No.
1: He will. Oh, oh, okay. He has for Ryan. I maybe. was going to say. <laughs> I have a permanent one. <laughs> okay.
3: Well, we want to see that. Anyway, um, but, um, but in the process of getting on our faces before God and digging into the Word, once again, He does something in us so that even if we don't get an answer that says, yes, you should take this job, or yes, you should move here, or this is absolutely the person you should marry, What it does do is it causes us to learn more about the heart of God and the character of God so that when his answer does come, we are ready to receive that. And so, you know, maybe we thought, oh, well, this is a job that I was really supposed to take and we step out to take it and that ends up being a closed door. And we're like, well, I thought that was God's will. Well, if he closes that door for us, what we have to say is, Lord, I trust your leading and I trust your presence in my life that I'm going to trust you to to lead me in another direction, and we keep praying, and we keep seeking, and we keep asking, so that we are so in tune with God that we trust what His will is for our lives.
1: Yeah, I just want to tag on to that. I think uh, sometimes we, the, this this whole God's will thing, we make it like a little jewel in the ground, and you know we're in a thousand acre field, and we've got to find it, and so we hide behind it. Sometimes we hide behind. We don't know what God's will is, but I think sometimes you know, we're praying for God's will, like, should I, should I be Jesus to this person? Should I love this person? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I think there's just times where you just have to know that you need to choose God. Like, you need to choose love. You need to choose fighting for people that can't fight for themselves. You need to choose fighting uh, for, for God's truth in, in where you are. And you need to fight for being Jesus where you are. Um, and I think sometimes we get wrapped up in that. I, I can look over my life and I can think, God opens doors and God shuts them. And, and she said that perfectly. And when I look back on it, I can think of times where I made a decision maybe I shouldn't have made and God tried to close that door. And I kept walking through because it was about me and not about him. And so I think if you just see an open door, just walk through it. And then trust and, and be sensitive to understanding when God shuts those doors and when God's trying to tell you, you know what, this just didn't work out. But when it comes to stuff like being Jesus and loving the people around you and being uh, Jesus in your community, that's not something you need to pray about. That's just that's something true. that if you've engaged in a relationship with Jesus, you that's need to That's
0: true. That's exactly right. I, I, I know two instances in the Bible where God was going to do something but because somebody prayed, he did something else. In Exodus chapter thirty-four, uh, Moses prayed on behalf of the Israelites, and God did something different. Um, and, um, and I'm reading through the have just got finished reading through the Old Testament. And Hezekiah, Hezekiah was a king of Israel, and um, he uh, God basically told him, "Hey, listen, you're going to die." Uh, you got a sickness, you get ready to kill over, get your will done, you know, basically. And he prayed to God, and God gave him 15 more years. So I would say this, God's, uh, what he wants to be done, it's going to happen. But um, I think there are some, he gives us some latitude there where he says, listen, if you earnestly seek, if you earnestly knock, um, then I may do something differently here. But still, his overarching will will be done. So I think I'll both of you answered that really good. Next question. What's, up? Uh, what's wrong with drinking? Is the script? Is there scriptures in the Bible that states why we should not drink? The Bible talks about wine. Anybody wants to get that one? Get this one.
2: Yeah, I'll take it. I'm going to suggest you so. shut up. <laughs> um, now, you know, this is one of those hot topics. Um, it, it it doesn't say in the Bible you shouldn't drink. Um, it says it talks a lot about drunkenness um, and self control. Um, but it doesn't say you shouldn't drink. Now, we got to use some common sense when we approach this passage. If, if you're an alcoholic and you haven't had a drink in three years, don't go to a bar, you know, um, and that's kind of a flippant way of saying, but just use your brain. Um, if you know you've had too many, stop, um, you know, if you have an issue with self control, drinking something that's going to make you out of control, is <laughs> probably not your best bet, um. But, you know, the Bible, it, it talks about being drunk, but, you know, being self-controlled, but that's, that's really...
3: walk up and you are speaking to that person in a way that you would not want them to hear, then it's not correct. I don't care if it's online, in person, on the phone, through a letter, whatever it is. Flee. Because God intends for our marriages to be honoring to Him, and He intends for us to live in purity and unity with the spouse that we are in covenant with, with our spouse and with Him. Run away.
1: I think that's a, then that's perfect. I think also as a, just, we tie, you know, love to these feelings in the pit of our stomach like butterflies and, you know, it's so new and it's so, you know, I don't mean to be harsh, but fight, be an adult and fight for love in your relationship with your spouse. Be a, you know, you, you made a covenant. You said you wanted to be with that person. You should, you needed to have taken that seriously and you need to fight for love with them. Because although it is much harder to fight for love than it is to uh, go out and try to experience the newness of it all all over again, it is far more worth it to fight for love and to fight relationship inside of your marriage than it is to give it up for something that will probably inevitably be temporary.
0: I would say this as well. um, I don't know if I'm... All right, I'll speak louder. Um, I would just say this as well is... um, one of the things that I, it would be very important, thanks Josh, it would be very important for you and your spouse, like I have a Facebook account, my wife has a Facebook account, uh, and you know, she has guys, friends on there, I have girl, ladies, uh, who, As
3: friends, friends.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, uh, but she has my passwords, and I have her passwords, and uh, we regularly go on each other's email and Facebook, and uh, we, there aren't any secrets here, so I would just encourage you as well when it comes to your relationships not to have any secrets as well. Uh, secrets uh, breed sin and shame. So I'll let there just be openness uh, with that as well. So,
1: more question? maybe?
0: Yeah, I'm going to do one more question. All right. Uh, okay, so if God created man on the sixth day, you would think that man would see some velociraptors running around eating zebras.
1: <laughs> velociraptors, that's awesome.
0: I'm amazed that you know how to spell velociraptors. I'm going to throw that out there.
1: I'm uh, impressed so, we could read it.
0: <laughs> so my question is, when did dinosaurs live? All right, who wants to take this one? I don't, you have an education.
3: Yeah, I'm going to defer to you. All
0: right, cool. All right, um, I would say this. Um, there are a couple of different ways that you can look at this, all right? Um, I, I believe um, that God created, you know, all the animals and stuff like that. And when it says he created the birds of the sky and the animals of the field and all that stuff, that he created dinosaurs there as well. I believe when, uh, in Genesis chapter 6, when the flood comes and wipes everything out, I believe that's when dinosaurs were extinct. So that's my belief. Uh, to be honest with you, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't have a lot of Bible verses to back up that belief. So um, uh, that's, again, how I interpret the scriptures. Um, I would encourage you to search the Bible yourself and define some of that. There are a couple of mentions in the Bible, uh, in the book of Job, um, and uh, another uh, scripture that, that's not coming to my head right now, talking about uh, a leviathan or a large beast. And a lot of people believe um, that that's talking about a dinosaur. But again, uh, I believe the dinosaurs didn't get on the ship, and thus they didn't get saved, and thus they got wiped out. So anyway. About the Yeah, so uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't have a great answer for that question. I'd encourage you to read the Bible and, and see if God... Uh, shows you a different uh, uh, answer to that question. And if you find an answer in there, email us. Uh, we'd love to be able to to see that. All right.